Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Up until that point, he is kind of like a bit like a woe is me. And understandably so, he's been dealt a really awful hand. <laughs> if you like um, but he, you know everything has gone wrong for this poor guy and, and for no fault of his own and he's a really sincere honest good hearted guy all this stuff has happened but he let it get the better of him and the result and the cost of letting it get the better of him is that it gets worse mm-hmm. and it gets worse in a permanent way and it's that loss of the hand and that ultimate um, rock bottom of it all that pushes him to make that leap of faith and reassert his life. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flix Watch Podcast. I'm joined by Helen. Hello. Ben. Hey. And Rich. Hello. And we're going to be talking about I Lost My Body. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today, we have Ben and Rich. If you'd like to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Ben. I run at Top Film Tip on Twitter, where each and every day uh, I send out little uh, snappy synopses of the best and most interesting films on British TV, or free-to-air TV at that. So, for instance, uh, for I Lost My Body, the tip would be detached from the place it belongs, dismembered hand seeks its corporeal home, awkward and alone, in flashbacking allegory for a life of longing and loneliness. I lost my body. And you've been on here a few times, Ben. Is this my eighth? Uh, Seventh? Well, we don't know. Because <laughs> we don't know when this is going to come out, but you've been on here a few t- at least four times. This is at least your fifth time. It must be the top. Top guest, I, yeah, I, most top guest appearance. I think this is my seventh or eighth time. It will be, yeah, but we don't know which one. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, but we. Uh, my point is, last time, uh, one of the previous times you were on, uh, you only had 140 characters on Twitter, and it's since gone up to, to 280. Has that affected how you do things? Is that a bit annoying? Um, it gives me uh, perhaps a little bit more freedom, but I, I think that the thing I enjoy about synopsizing a film in such a, a small space is it's. Um, it's quite it, it sounds restrictive but it's actually quite freeing and it and it makes you really try and uh, try and find interesting ways to convey why that film is interesting and why it has value and it's only interesting films that you pick to select who wants to, to watch about? boring films copes well some people do we know people who watch wantonly willingly watch boring boring crap films I'm looking at you, Rich. Yes. <laughs> um, well, my name's Rich. I do the Betamax Video Club podcast, and we look at 80s movies exclusively, very fortnightly. And the movies tend to be anything that's in the 80s from 
the great films, the, the, the films that I enjoy, such as Predator, all the way to the Ewok movies that we discussed off air, which are an affront to nature. So when least. someone, when like you're talking about Ewok movies, are you thinking, oh my God, am I going to? I'm actually going to do this. Yeah, and, and the fact that I had to watch both of the films first and then talk about them to someone who also <laughs> had to feign interest. It was um, it was challenging, and any excuse to get some Star Wars-related content out. But, um, yeah, they, they were p- painful. But, um, yeah, the, the joy of watching and analysing something like Commando was uh, well worth Pays it. Pays off, yeah. yeah. So we're talking today about I Lost My Body, uh, which is a Netflix original film. Ben, you chose it. Can you tell us why you chose it and give us a synopsis in one minute or less? I believe it won the Critics Awards at Cannes recently, and it's rare to have kind of a you know such a, a high-end film appear on on Netflix. So certainly something that you know most people wouldn't get a chance to see at the cinemas. I believe it was Mark Kermode's favourite film or one of his top films in night. 2019, uh, yeah. 2019, yeah. And it so that piqued my interest. I saw it was on there. It seemed a bit different, animated, interesting subject matter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how can we how can we talk about this film? It's an unusual premise. It's um, about uh, a dismembered hand trying to work its way back across Paris at night to the body it once belonged to. All the while, flashbacking to the uh, life from char- from a promising uh, childhood of a bright young, um, enthusiastic boy uh, to his kind of uh, early mid twenties, watching his life fall apart and all the sorrow and loneliness and just general ruinous. Uh, unfortunate things that happened to him along the way. So it's not uh, set out to be a happy premise. What were your thoughts, Helen? Um, for say you, you didn't think it was a happy one. I thought it was lovely and weird at the same time. So um, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect from it, other than um, isn't it nominated for the Oscars as well, best animated? Oh, I don't know. Something like that. We'll look yeah. into that possibly. We get, we're getting some yes. nods over here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's quite a lot of. Um, interest already behind it um so yeah I, I thought it was really lovely i really like the animation style and um the the characters in there are really interesting and uh yeah enjoyed it cool rich i mean the premise sounds i mean when i heard about this i thought sounds interesting not sure if i like it but there was more and more kind of fanfare behind it and i think my initial thought was like it's isn't this isn't this just thing from the Adams family? But it is a lot more there's a lot more to it, even within like the first few frames, just like, okay, this is this is a good film. Yeah, very much so. And and again, I, I'd never heard of it before Ben suggested it and seeing it on Netflix and you know, being brutally honest, it's not the sort of film that I would normally watch. But sitting down and watching it, you know, no distractions. Mm. And the only film I could refer to at all was being an animated film in France would be Ratatouille. But uh, there you are know, rats in it as well. So yes, there are. Thing. It's a thing. It's a, it's a recurring theme. But um, <laughs> actually, watching it and sitting there, that you could see, and despite the fact that it was almost two separate stories that were sort of, as you said, flashbacks, and they intertwine and, and they appear to come together at, at some point at the end. Um, the, the style of it was very interesting. The the animation, it was, you know, so different from your know, more mainstream sort of Pixar Disney films, and while I say it wasn't the most sort of joyous, vibrant, but there was definitely a very clear narrative mm. that was easy to follow but not predictable. It, yeah, it, that was something. Um, it was very interesting the way that you you start off with um, seeing seeing the hand essentially and wondering what is going on, mm. and then you're seeing these flashbacks and you realise that the the hand is obviously something to do with this uh, young man, um, but 
as they actually as the stories actually uh, come together and combine it all makes sense and it come it comes together in a very surprising uh, but emotionally impactful way at once well i think that the story because it's nice how it kind of plays both kind of run in parallel in the, in the flashback story you see the kids and you see through flashbacks him growing up to be an adult and through his current life and then you see the in at the same time in the film you see the hand coming to life as it were and making its way to i guess like homing towards its 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 owner and and both sides of the story were really quite impressive i thought and i liked how the hand side of the story because i thought it was going to i thought it quickly would get boring watching the hand work its way across but there's so ingenious what they did such as you know getting the lights to to ward off the rats and um you know grabbing on a hanger to, to abseil down between two buildings and, and scan across. It felt like a really, really interesting indie game. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And yeah. Like, like you say, like they're grabbing a cigarette lighter to ward off uh, the, the rats and, and find its way around. But what I found really interesting is that it has got that anime um, kind of style of animation, mm. but the physicality in that hand mm. was so impressive. Like you, you felt... Um, like you could, you could feel it wince. You could feel it have a tender moment when, it, when it, it's uh, there's a there's a point at which it um, winds up in a house with a, a young baby, and it actually sort of like soothes the baby to yeah. sleep. Um, so it's got like a kindness about it. Um, it has to. There's it feels so vulnerable. There's points where it's being attacked by rats in a subway, and and it feels so vulnerable. They're, they're kind of nipping at it and pulling at it, and it's got to sort of fight to survive. Um, and there's there's real. St- stakes yeah. if you like um it it doesn't feel like it's um it doesn't feel like a, a some sort of adams family premise where it's just a hand running around and it's a bit of a novelty and nothing's bad's going to happen to it. it it really feels like there's something at stake and then that whole all, all these uh, seemingly uh, minor things as I've, as i've just mentioned actually start playing out as allegories for the vulnerability and the suffering and um, the kindness of the main character as yeah. well, and it's that so that kind of works together in parallel. I mean, his the main character story um, before he's even lost his hand, he's gone through a bit of a ringer. Um, I mean, the main one of the main driving plot points is that he loses his parents in a, in a car crash in a car accident, which is I mean, this is kind of Steven Spielberg eighties fodder, isn't it? But it's it's a hard um, kind of story to follow, and then he's kind of way. I don't know where it ends up with an uncle or a relative, a distant relative that kind of... Yeah, the kind of um, not really being looked after mm. and having to share a room with kind of his sex pest relative <laughs> um, who's just basically just kind of a waster and he kind of wants for a better life but he's not quite sure to how he can see the way out and uh, a chance pizza delivery encounter with um, Gabrielle, I think. Yeah. And actually kind of... Um, in a humorous exchange, so we've sort of talked about there being kind of sadness in there, but it's actually quite a funny film as well at times. But she sort of tells him to to make the change, and he ends up acting on that as well. Because I thought that that conversation they have by the intercom where she's on the thirty odd floor, um, I thought it was such a really nice mm-hmm. conversation. I really, really kind of bonded at that point, and I could see why. I mean, it outwardly sounds a bit creepy that he's then tracked her down a bit. Um, I think it was kind of played cutely as well. I think if he had just... I think, uh, t- to interject, I, I, a, a little bit of uh, context, the 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 chap, the protagonist, mm. um, in flashback, he um, encounters this girl, a, a woman over the intercom at the pizza delivery, um, and he feels that they've hit it off. Yeah. 
um, but he never quite meets her. So he kind of he's got a few details about her. He tracks her down to where she lives, where she works, follows her home, and then um, finds employment with her uncle mm. in uh, in. A well, a, a sincere, yeah, in a, in, a, in a carpentry workshop, which again goes into, there's lots of moments in this that are, are to do with like painted hands, fist fights, splinters in the fingers. So it all kind of, there's a real hand digital sort of theme going on. Um, but he, he seems very sincere that mm. he actually is trying to find a way to be closer to this and that's woman. What, and that's what I mean. It, it could be the premise of that could sound creepy, but the way it plays out isn't. And when she said in that in that conversation of the intercom, where she said, uh, he says, well, I had an accident. And instead of like brushing it off, she said, oh, I hope you're okay. And that's that was the kind of thing that yeah. turned him. And it was like, you can tell he, people don't ask him that much. Yeah, I, I think they actually... Um, I think that's quite subtle because at first he thinks she was asking if the pizza is okay. Yeah. And she was like, I don't care about the pizza. Are you okay? Yeah, exactly. And and the, and so he feels like a, a warmth that perhaps because he's his life is, he's lost his parents. He's got no real friends. Mm. He's the guy he lives with is an awful person. As <laughs> Helen, as he's Helen terrible said. at delivering pizza as well. Yeah. yeah. This, is not his, this is not his job. And he's, no. he's just too kind hearted and sincere a guy to be in, in such a, a dead end, hopeless rut in his life and it's really it is qu quite sad but he's got this 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 hope at the end of the tunnel yeah. that there's this really wonderful seeming girl and he doesn't know what she looks like at this point he's yeah. just he he sincerely wants to be close to her and he gets this job with the uncle as a carpentry apprentice and then he makes efforts to try and kind of not not win her like a prize but to to show that he cares and then it comes to a point where there's a reveal and he he built she i think she's got a thing about igloos and isolation and i, I didn't understand where the igloo thing came from i remember at first he drew it on the condensation in the window but i couldn't because uh, yeah, he, he made her um the the bear the polar bear and they were yeah, talking so about polar he, bears he took there. a book out from the library about hmm. polar bears in yeah. the antarctic i think but was that before the igloo was drawn and was that as a result of it, or was that I think it was something to do with the she was mentioning like living so high up in the tower block was like being like isolated right um, in an igloo sort of thing and so he made so he learns all these carpentry skills and he's sincere and he works hard and he builds her a kind of wooden igloo on top of the tower block and takes her up there for a sort of surprise and, and he buys her like the pizza that she had well, ordered originally because yeah. at this point she still doesn't know it, who he is and he makes the reveal and then and then she's really really horrible to him <laughs> well, she kind of sees it as this sort of stalker and yeah. she doesn't quite know who he is because this person who he said that he's been all this time isn't that person mm. so she's obviously like well who are you and she just obviously met his sleazy roommate as well yeah and I mean if it, I mean this is why, again, I say it could this, the the setup for that is creepy, or could be perceived as creepy, and she doesn't have the benefit of us seeing how he got to that stage. All she's seen is this guy who's turned up at her uncle's place, works there, and says, "Oh, by the way, here's and a the pizza." Guy, the pizza yeah. guy. And it's like, hold on, <laughs> dude, I I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, I felt really bad for him because yeah, it felt bad for him, but he can understand her reaction. I yeah, thought. to an extent. I, I think even in the moment, sh he was he was being genuinely sincere, and up to that point, he hadn't given, he hadn't done anything that was untoward. He hadn't mm. made any sexual advances or lewd comments. But he'd not told the truth about who he who he was, which is, as you all know, a, a major red flag for um, 
behavior that's not so great so mm. even though we can see that it's coming from his like heart place, yeah. Yeah. yeah she's she's obviously like who who is this guy like you're the creepy pizza guy what this is really weird how do you know where where my uncle lives there's, and these there's kind no of things? Uh, she doesn't have she doesn't have the same level of backstory as he does so it's hard i, I suppose the you could Im it could be implied that she's had some some bad experiences in the past and this is like triggering some uh, I think she was just a bit like... I think she was being protective yeah. about the yeah. fact that he befriended the uncle and didn't understand, you know, she was protecting him because of whatever illnesses he had and this guy suddenly popped up and, you know... Suddenly their life. To, to some of us, is, he's playing the long game, but um, very much sort of coming along, becoming an apprentice and learning a trade purely to meet this girl and to spend time. And, I mean, I guess if this was a, a different type of film, yeah. they'd fall happily in love in the igloo. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, you know, um, I think I've said in the past that um, I don't think all films should have a protagonist that you like. I don't uh, think all films mm. should have a happy ending. I don't think all films should be enjoyable in the traditional sense. And this certainly falls into the category of films that um, I... I, I I didn't really know much about it. I think I'd seen a brief trailer or a teaser. I knew it won the award. I knew um, critics were, were enjoying the film. And I didn't really know what to expect other than it had something to do with a dismembered hand. And uh, it was it was quite a harrowing film. It's got that really haunting score as well all the way through yeah. um, and, and quite aptly chosen classical music uh, in there at certain moments. Um, and and it's sincere. Like there's real there's real emotion. You can really feel the Nufel. Nufel, yeah. Mm. Nufel. Um you you really um I certainly connected with him and, and felt his his pain and suffering as he as he went through. I, I did like the way that they didn't fall happily ever in, in love mm. after that that scene. I think I like the I like that story direction that the that the uh, filmmakers took. Um and it could have been like you say, Rich could have it could have gone one in a few different ways. I mean I thought initially once he, I don't want to say track, well, track down makes it sound a bit dodgy, but once he found where reconnected. she reconnected, when, yeah. when he connected with her, I guess reconnected with her, um, at her, her uncle's place, that's when he could have said, Oh, I was a guy that delivered the pizza a couple of days ago. I just really wanted to say hello. For me, that would have been the, that would have been the most opportune time to kind of say who you were. And that I think that would have been the least creepy time to say it. So I can understand definitely why she was like, it's been a few months now and you've only now said who you were. Um, but that's, I mean, that's part of the story. And this is why it's not, this is not a Pixar film. It's not like mm. a, um, you know, happy Disney film animation. Um, and that's why I think it, it does set it apart from others. Um, in terms of animation itself, Ben and uh, Helen, no friend who doesn't watch any animation. What, what are you talking about yourself, Rich? Um, well, I think the fact that it wasn't so vibrant in the, in the colours, mm. you, you kind of associate, and or maybe it's just me being a bit more, you know, th this kind of film is fairly new to me, but, you know, you're used to watching a, a Toy Story or something, you know, in my case at home, I, I watch Frozen a lot. Um, <laughs> and, and this is so different because it shows a very gritty side of a French city yeah. um, that is often portrayed in films, but to see it animated in a quite particular style, it looks almost Japanese, mm -hmm. but it looks unmistakably French. And the fact that there's there's a lot of rain kind of makes it atmospheric as well. Um, the the lighting effects. I'm just looking mm. at some of the pictures now. Um, some of the some of the lighting effects are absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Uh, even even when they're like quite harrowing moments, is it's 
unquestionably beautiful to when, watch. When it does get the lights out in the in the in the underground, that whole scene is a whole sequence is awesome. I really think because you're just flicking the lights and suddenly you see not just one rat but like a, a horde of them, yeah. and suddenly it's got to escape from them. And that's like that is quite uh, I think, stark. I think there's a there's quite a long history from not mistaken with French and Japanese animation houses kind of uh, sharing talent and resources I mean my favourite childhood cartoon is Ulysses 31 sure and that was French Japanese oh, was over, it? Yeah. Um, and I think that's I, there's always been quite a close marriage there this is more this is more um, definitely anime-esque and Ghibli Ghibli-esque isn't it than traditional western uh, yeah. style of animation it's not, it's it? not quite as um, florid and vibrant as as Ghibli, as, Ghibli no. um, as Rich was saying, it's it's kind of a bit more subdued, but it's got a real. It does have a Japanese animation style, but it's it's kind of toned down and pulled in a bit more restrained, I'd say. Apart from the bit when there's a severed hand, so you get an animation of a severed hand, which is and the eyeballs. pretty gruesome, and yeah, a squished mm. eyeball, oh. and the that's the, very anime esque, isn't it? That yeah. uh, breaking of a pigeon's neck and rats was... biting fingers, so. We're saying all these like really lovely things as well, but there's all these really kind of grotesque, but also really interesting moments in it as well. This hand has a lot of lives. Yeah, <laughs> that pigeon sequence actually was quite start mm. quite, quite early on as well. Yeah. Were you like, oh, okay, this is this is um, interesting? Should we talk about the ending? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the film ultimately culminates with his hand um, working its way back to its owner at the point at which uh, Nufel is in quite a state of despair. Um, what's, what it turns out has happened in the flashback is that he was uh, distracted by this upset he had had with the um, with Gabrielle. Mm -hmm. And he's working on some wood in the, uh, in the carpentry shop and he um, buzzsaws off his own hand at the wrist. Um, and which, is, which is actually really grim. <laughs> is it, uh, and, and he passes out, um, presumably from blood loss and shock. And... Um, and assumes that the hand is lost, and then the hand comes to him overnight. Then uh, the whole way through the film, there's a, there's a theme of a tape recorder. I believe it's kind of it feels like it's set in the mid nineties. Um, yeah, and the, he got as, as a child, maybe ten or fifteen the years 90s earlier, the eighties. Yeah, yeah. In, he so late 80s, he so. was given um, a tape recorder by his parents, and he's he's in bed. He's been listening to the voices of his his dead parents and remembering the good times and the promise of his childhood. And he, it then f jumps to Gabrielle finding the tape recorder at the top of a tower block. Yeah. And no Nufel. And you wonder what is happening. And, and so it's so, so smart and so, so incredibly nuanced. But, sh but her listening to the tape recorder of his last moments or not necessarily the, his not necessarily films. his yeah the last moments of the film not yep. necessarily the last moments of his life you aren't sure whether or not he has killed himself or not and her listening to his the sounds of his of these moments um you start to see what he did and and he makes a sort of i guess a leap of faith yeah. he he jumps from the side of a tower block onto a crane and it's unclear, but to me, it felt like he was, he needed to feel alive. Like he'd come so close to death and his life was such a mess and everything he had hoped and dreamed for never came true. And he needed to start again. And it was almost like a, a rebirth. Like he was challenging death and he, he leaps across and it seems that he survives. Although you do see his uh, sleeve waving in the wind, which implies the hand never was 
reattached. No, I don't think the handle was reattached, but I think he... I think that was long gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, has anyone seen a film called Grizzly Man? Yes. A long time ago. Yeah, it's, it's a documentary by Werner Herzog. That's following, a really good parallel. Yeah. Following, following a guy who... Have you seen it, Helen? Yeah. Yeah. But stay with me. But yeah, this this guy, obviously, he goes into somewhere in North America and hangs out with, with their grizzly bears. I'm not sure if it's grizzly bears, but they call him grizzly man anyway. But anyway, he meets his untimely demise eaten by the bears. But that's recorded. and In, aud- actually, in audio. Yeah, it's recorded in audio. And um, at some point in the film, when Herzog and one of um, one of this guy's, one of grizzly man's friends or relatives listens back to it, and they're just both like, it's a powerful Hol- moment. Yeah, holy fuck. And, um, and they're both like, no one should listen to this. No one should listen. No one should hear what 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 happened. And that's that sometimes haunts me when you don't know what happened in that. So it's quite... Yeah, I, I, felt, in that. I felt the ending was obviously deliberately ambiguous. So I'd be really interested to know what each of you think the ending meant. I, I, I've just kind of voiced my interpretation. But on Helen, what do you think? Um, I haven't really thought about it that much. Actually, <laughs> it was kind of a nice way to to end it yeah been ended um yeah i'm gonna say it's a really interesting film and how it really uses sound as well because often with animation it tends to rely on the visuals but with the sort of the listening back because it's not until near the end that you find out that his parents died in the car crash and he was ultimately responsible for it and then that well, kind he certainly of clips, felt he certainly well, felt responsible. yeah he he feels that way and he had some kind of role in the accident so it kind of all clicks into place how he feels about certain things mm. and and that's kind of shown mainly through sound isn't it yeah i mean i didn't i just kind of assumed he jumped and made it um and that was the end of the story as we were going to see i didn't think that then he went to to kill himself i think he my interpretation was if he if it wasn't if he didn't make the jump if he didn't survive then he would have been like okay well this is it um, but the fact he landed on the other side was like, okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's let's live again. It was left very open in that there was, you know, he was stood on the crane and there was almost the moment of, okay, what now? Mm. Whereas, you know, the, the film makes it quite clear throughout, this is not a predictable linear story where he gets so depressed he kills himself at the end. But, you know, he survives this, as you say, leap of faith. He makes it onto the crane and now it's, okay, where does it go? And... Perhaps had this been set in the sort of the last decade, he might have filmed it, and it would have been an early parkour shot. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. that's right. It would have been there on a, on a mounted tripod in your iPhone, <laughs> on his GoPro. But yeah. um, and the fact that, as you say, she listened to it purely through sound. She only had that one sense of of what was going on, mm. other than what was clearly laid out in front was was a ramp and the the tape recorder next to it. But she was purely listening with no other concept of what was going on and you felt that tension because we hadn't seen it happen of her, you know, you're almost with her going, what happens next for that couple of seconds yeah. before you hear the sort of screams at the other end. Go on. English or French? I did both actually. Uh, halfway through I was like, oh, this is a French film. Let's let's listen to it. Let's see what it's like in French. Do you, do you speak French? Uh, I don't speak French, but I, obviously I had the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, and with animation is the only is the only form of film where I don't mind it's being in the. I, I prefer dubs for animation, um, generally, as, as long as it as long as it's, you know, not sticking to the script essentially. Yeah. Um, but when it's when I change from the English to the French, the voice and the tonality of his of his voice is a lot different, and it actually kind of like suited it better. So I watched the whole film, but um, our Netflix, I think, defaulted to having subtitles on, and at the beginning, and we watched it with the English language, and with the subtitles, with the subtitles, yeah. and they were very different from the, the words oh. that were being spoken. Mm. But also I spent the entire film 
without thinking about who voiced. I said, that sounds like Dev Patel. It sounds like Dev Patel the whole way through the film until I got to the end, and I suddenly realised because it would have at the end who voiced, and like, it's Dev Patel. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think it was, so um, they're different versions then? Yeah, so obviously there's a French... French version is original, but it dubbed in dubbed in English. So yeah, I, I watched the it defaulted to English in mine, mm. um, and I was I was quite happy with that. Um, but I felt like the voice acting was excellent, mm. um, and and it played into the physicality and the the emotions of the character. Um, I didn't realise till the end it was um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Alia uh, Shawkat from Alia Shawkat, yeah, from, uh, from Arrested Development. Yeah. Sure. Um, oh, she plays Gabrielle. Does she? Gabrielle oh, okay. in the English dub. And George Went was the uncle. Oh really? Yeah. Norm from Cheers. Yes. Yeah. That's so bizarre. I didn't realise there were two versions. So I just listened to the French version and had the English subtitles. Yeah. Well, I just, I just did a, I just did a. Swap wait a minute. Let's see if it's in a different language and, <laughs> and try it out for the for the latter it's, half. It's nice to have options at one of those games where you roll the dice and it <laughs> goes where it follows. But yeah, hearing it throughout, and I mean, I, I didn't think to watch it with a in the French, which might have given it, a, certainly would have given it a different atmosphere. Mm. But um, yeah, watching it in, in the English, it certainly added something a bit different because it was very visually France, but with clear, clearly English and American accents. Right, well, let's head to the scores. Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zotzorstwick. And together we host a show called Song, song by song, song, where we deal with the music of Tom Waits. We've been going since uh, 2015. Every week we talk about a new track. Uh, we've made our way through 15 seasons so far of his music. And now we're going back to the early years. And if you haven't listened to Tom Waits before, it's not the growly stuff. It's not the stuff where he's hitting an automobile with a bone for percussion. <laughs> it's a nice, easy way into his music. If that sounds like something you would be interested in, you should check out our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or put Song by Song into your podcatcher of choice. So we'll kick off with the recommendability with you, Ben. All of our scores are out of five, and you may have decimal places. You know how I feel about decimal places. I think we've discussed before. Well, they've got to mean something, folks. They've got to mean something. Do as you want. I mean, pie. Well, it means something. It's very tasty. It does. <laughs> um, okay, uh, recommendability. I. This is a tough one for me, and I know this was sort of my choice of film. Mm. I don't think it's a, a very recommendable film. It is a hard, hard watch. And one thing I noticed: this film is eighty minutes, and five minutes of that is credits it felt like a two hour long film. Right. For me, I know I've been like seeing its praises in this bit. I might be chatting about some of the things I wasn't so keen on. It was a grind. Um, I found it really a bit of a slog to get through and the subject matter is certainly not to everyone's taste. So I would only be recommending this to someone I think who already liked um, grown up animated films mm. and was quite happy to have a film that was not all, Peaches and cream. Sure. So, so what's the score for that one? Probably a two and a half. Oh, wow. Wow, ouch. Rich? Um, see, on the other hand, I it not being the sort of film that I would normally watch, I would recommend it because I think while it did feel longer than its running time, the running time was enough that you're not investing a full evening in it if you sat down to watch it. And I think there's, there's enough in there to cater to enough different genres that if even if you're not necessarily a fan of of animation or or particularly more serious films there's action in there there are moments of 
I'll say comedy, but slightly lighter moments where I, I think there's enough in there for a lot of people to at least give it a try. Mm. And I'd, I'd probably give it a four on the grounds that I'd, I'd recommend people give it a go. I, I certainly wouldn't think it'd be up everyone's street. And, and a lot of people are sitting there and go, I either didn't get it or I didn't enjoy it because it was so different from your normal film. But I think there's enough there to say it's short enough for you to sit there and take it in and then make your own mind up. But I'd certainly recommend it. Helen? Um, yeah, so there are people who will not watch French films and there are people who will not watch adult animation. So if you're either one of those people, then you're not going to enjoy this. And it's not its not a children's animation. It's not one of those that are kind of universal because it's got quite scary moments in it. So I'd definitely say that it is an adult one, but I, I, I didn't find it dragged at all. I thought it was quite breezy and had a really nice pace. So um, I'm going to give it 4.3. I'm going to go for four. I yeah, I really liked it. I I think animation does kind of come with a weight sometimes, doesn't it? Um, and I would recommend this to people who like Studio Ghibli films because they're not necessarily kid friendly, off the cuff uh, animations. Although the um, films, they, but the, some of them are quite bright and breezy, but they're not necessarily you know give it to your kid. And people who like anime, uh, I definitely say yeah. have a listen, have a watch of this. Um, and also people who just are interested in cinema generally, but I think it's a bit of a big sell, not big sell. You have to caveat it to a few people. Um, but I rec- I think it'd be worth rewarding and uh, it, it would be a rewarding watch. And I think after five minutes, if you're not that interested, then just say to me, if you're not interested in five minutes, then just switch it off. I, I think it's interesting. I think a film like this might yet find its feet on the small screen. I know the small screen tours a bit later on, um, but like Ghibli is imminent. To Netflix. As we record. Yeah, on uh, on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and I think with with people perhaps who somehow still haven't discovered um, the the wonders of Studio Ghibli, these kind of you know more adult, interesting animated films might um, see a bit of interest in in other things like this. Repeat viewing score, Ben. Can I have something to attach these these figures to? Give me um, give me an example. So I don't know. What would repeat viewing score can be played in a few different ways? I think so. One is like for. A film like Inception, where you're like, okay, I have to watch it again because I need to. There's stuff in there I completely missed, and I need to get into it. And then there's the films where you just like at the drop of a hat, I'll watch it any time. And there's films where you just think, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll watch, I'll keep watching that once a year, twice a year until the day I die. So they're like the super high. high. Okay, um, I don't think I'm ever going to watch this film again. So, um, <laughs> so that's going to be a zero to one. I would probably say. Um, I'll say one. I won't, I'm not. I'm not going to say never, ever, ever. Mm. And you know, if taste, someone says change, if over someone time. said I'm going to, I'm going to watch. I lost my body, Ben. Do you want to watch it with me? And you've got nothing to do. Would you? Would you join them? Oh, it really depends how much I like that person. <laughs> <laughs> it, like I say, for me, it it felt like a real grind, a real slog. Um, I'm very glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to compare that to say something like the Joker, um, that was a hard watch. But I will watch that film. I watched the Joker again, and uh, you know that that was a really impressive film. And and this was interesting, and it was very well made, and it was different, and it had all the everything about it on paper was fantastic. But I feel no draw to have come to watch, watch it, it a second time. So one, I'm going to go with a one, coach. Rich. Now, I'm going to go for a three based okay. on the caveat that we talked about where we have the option of viewing it in a different language sure. with subtitles because I feel that I could watch that again 
in the with the French um, narration or dubbing, and maybe with English subtitles just to sort of follow it along. But I think oh, what sorry, that you, you need it. Yeah, <laughs> Do you well, speak uh, French? no, 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 not at all. But I, <laughs> but I think just because I've seen it now and and I know where it's going, and I feel like tonally, as we talked about earlier, I may find a different side of things than than I didn't before. Um, to be honest, that that might be the only reason I would rewatch it, but I think it's certainly compelling enough for me to sit down and spend 75, 80 minutes watching it with French sub, uh, with the French accents for that reason. So you're going to go for three? Yeah. Helen? Um, I'm going to go for a one. Um, I really enjoyed it, um, but I, I don't know what I'd get from re-watching it. So, um, yeah, not in a hurry to go back, but I did really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm going to go for one as well. I don't... Um I don't revisit anime or any Studio Ghibli films. Um, I might Ghibli probably, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to it coming onto Netflix. As we record, Studio Ghibli has not landed on Netflix. As we, this goes out, it potentially has done. Um, but I'm looking to re-watching them and looking forward to re-watching them. And mainly, um, Princess Kaguya. That was one of those kind of most visually striking mm. for me in terms of... Um, the watercolours. Yeah, I thought that, yeah. that, that looked great. But generally, I don't re-watch those kind of films so I, I think the same will apply here uh, small screen score Ben yeah the, this worked really well I, I felt um, I think Rich mentioned before it's quite nice to be able to watch it uninterrupted and um, something that certainly uh, what's well, essentially a, you know a, a small studio indie film that mm. doesn't get wide distribution you know if you're if you're not in a city that has um, a you know art house cinema I doubt very much this even got within 50 miles of where you live um, on the screen. So to have a such a, a highly critiqued and um, well-received film of such this kind of a nature on streaming service yeah. like Netflix was, you know, it's great. So uh, I don't think it lost anything for being on a small screen. I've got a reasonably big telly, um, watch it with the lights off. Um, I don't, feel if I'd seen it in a cinema it would have changed the impact so sure. I guess a four and a half on the on the small screen Rich um, this is not a film that I would ordinarily part with money to see um, again you wouldn't get much to the the ratio of minutes would you run time no eight minutes you expect at least like 90 you want bang for, for your buck pounds. yeah <laughs> if you go and sit in your local cinema world and see this but um, I think it's it's perfect for Netflix in that it brings it into your house obviously this was recommended ahead of the recording of the podcast that, you know, and even then I wouldn't have sat down and watched it, but it works so perfectly for the Netflix platform for watching at home, because I think you'd have to be a real film buff to go to the cinema to see this. And I think it belongs in the house. Sure. And I think on a small screen, it's ideal. And certainly in my circumstance, it, it was just perfect to watch on the TV so I'd, I'd give it a four. Helen? Oh uh, yeah I'm going to go for a four as well so it's great that um, Netflix are putting a little bit of money and promotion um, behind films like this um, but I do get the impression that obviously it was made to be viewed in cinemas and on a bigger scale so I think it would have been a different experience to have seen it on a bigger screen but I don't think that it loses too much by watching it on home. Yeah I think I'm going to go 2.5 here. I think I would have enjoyed seeing this in the cinema. And when I have seen uh, Tell Princess Kaguya in the cinema versus at home, and I've seen uh, like Songs of the Sea 
on a, gorgeous. On a, on, a, on a big screen, you, you do see where a lot of the detail comes in. And as you said, I think it was yourself, Ben, talking about how the hand works and how it's got a character, like when it's playing with a baby and they had, the, they, had the, they had the pacifier or dummy on it, on his finger to like help out. Those kind of things were really kind of intricate. So I think, and also again, as we talked about with the with the rat scene and, and the pigeons, those were quite stark, guess, impressive like um, scenes and shots. I guess the other the other main difference is the the audience factor. So I know whenever there's a Tarantino as as infrequently as they occur, I make sure I go and see that in a full sold out screen right. on, within a day or two of it arriving for the audience experience. And I saw um, I saw Jojo Rabbit at the film, London Film Festival, BFI Film Festival, with Taika in the audience as well. And um, I'm obviously not going to spoil anything about that absolutely wonderful film, but there is a moment in that film uh, where the entire sold-out audience gasp. Mm. And that is not that kind of uh, shared emotional experience you don't get at home. I wonder what, would you imagine, would you guys imagine there would be a difference watching this film with a with an engaged audience? I think if there's a full packed house, I, I mean, I, I envisage watching this as like, I go there Saturday morning to a picky central, pick, pitch house central or something or an every man. And I'm maybe one of two people in there because mm. I, I can just get out there. You're just going to experience the large yeah. scale and so having the, the music but I, think, but I think some of those scenes like with the, with the pigeon, I was, when I was watching, I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> I was generally like, that's, that's that's dark. Yeah, it's proper dark. It is. Uh, I'm not sure it would have been as vis- uh, visceral as um, gasping, but I think you could have sensed people like. Whoa! Whoa. Didn't see um, that coming. It's not as not as um, full audience engagement as comedy or like the shock horror um, or just like saying Jojo Rabbit is something unexpected. But I think there would have been a noticeable kind of like, okay, we're in we're in this kind of place. Okay, let's um, let's strap in. Um, two point well, five engagement score then. Uh, yeah, I I found S- this was slog. two. This was two films. I've, I've mentioned <laughs> this a lot. Um, anything where there was the uh, the the hand, yeah. I was completely on on with that. I was completely on board with that. So anything where you got the like I say, there's this character. There's um, you can tell what that hand is thinking. You can tell what that hand is feeling, and it's it's a real physicality to it and I don't know if they rotoscoped stuff or they ha- if the, the, the animators were uh, anatomists or something but like it was really incredible mm. I was wholly on board with that how does that rate as a score uh, that I would say this is the tricky part okay so um, that would be a five but <laughs> but uh, anything where it was Nifel and Gabrielle I, within minutes I just found it really dull even when um, they had the conversation in the in the, t- the to start with yeah. it was it was engaging and interesting and then it that went on and on and and i felt that um whenever you had that whilst it was a whilst it was a real emotional engagement between those two characters i found it really quite off-putting because because it was she just doesn't seem to be into him mm. the way he's into her maybe that's the whole point of the film but I found it really hard to watch and uncomf- uncomfortable, but not in an interesting way. I found it uncomfortable and, and dull, to be honest. So on those respects, I'd give that a two. So I guess if you average five and two and rounded it off, I'd give it like a three and a half. Rich? Um, again, I seeing it as two separate entities for that purpose, the, the hand felt like it was in its own Indiana Jones adventure. Um, it was doing all these daredevil things and 
and some of the the imagination that was shown in how they interpreted the hand, whether it be with the rats or the pigeon or above the traffic, um, it was so creative. And as Ben said, the way it was presented in such a way that you almost felt this hand was its own sentient being with a brain and eyes and and things like that. Um, the the other story of Nafel and Gabriella, I've I found because the film was clearly not set up to be a predictable movie, I kind of saw from the beginning that because they were coming from different angles, there wouldn't necessarily be that happily ever after thing, which because I saw that coming perhaps quite early and I did kind of find that a little bit, I wouldn't say creepy, but I could see why, you know, certainly she would not appeal to his nature of the extra onions and the igloo and so on. Um, who puts extra onions on a pizza though? <laughs> That's where it all fell apart. Yeah, it? you needed the double mint breath. Um, <laughs> but I think, as again, I, I probably come to it as maybe a, a three, purely because the the adventures of the hand massively outweighed the rest. I'll agree with that. Um, so I'm going to give it a five. I mean, it probably helps, obviously, having the French. Um, audio and English subtitles that obviously to keep up with what's going on you have to um, stay in in tune with it but I would recommend if you're going to watch it to have that um, I thought it was really engaging I really liked how it didn't play out into sort of anything that you'd expect and I thought equally both parts of the story were engaging because it was less kind of about a blossoming romance maybe and more about kind of him finding his way in life and sort of being faced with this sort of constant problems he kind of comes across and, and sadness and he's just kind of keeps going so I, I find I find it really engaging um, I'm going to go for a four point one. 4.1 um, yeah, I really oh liked come it. on Copes what's the 4. point one, one for Explain. the point one is that I I was going to go for a high I was going to go for 4.5 and I was, I was kind of in a way disappointed that we actually saw how the hand came off I would, really? Yeah. You had, to, you had to kind of see it though, or it would just be like, well. Well, well I don't, cause, because we don't know why it was sentient and had the ability to move. So I don't necessarily see why we'd, we needed to see how it came off um, to see the, the. The reason it came off is because he'd let his anger take control and beat that guy up and got drunk and then decided to. No, I get why it came back. off. But so I'm, you, you had to see it come off like that as a result of those actions. But also, I don't think you needed to see it come off as well. I don't think you needed to. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's a version of the story where you don't have to see the hand coming off. To just, you just the film starts. The guy hasn't got a hand. You don't need to find out why he hasn't got a hand. You just, you know. I disagree, Matt. I yeah, you disagree with this. I don't, I, well, that's we agree to disagree. But that's yeah. why I was. Um, I was like, it's a bit grim when it happened. I was like, oh, it's the, it's the cost of it. And I, I, for me, the the reason that the payoff of of, of that scene, mm. and that, I mean, it's a really harrowing scene um, where where the the, the saw catches on his watch, on his I think, watch, yeah. and, and pulls his hand in, um, is that up until that point, he is kind of like a bit like a woe is me. Um, I, I'm so hard done by. And understandably so, because he has had a really awful, um, you know, he's been dealt a really awful hand, <laughs> if you like. Um, but, he, you know, everything has gone wrong for this poor guy and, and for no fault of his own. And he's a really sincere, honest, good-hearted guy. All this stuff has happened. But he let it get the better of him. And the result and the cost of letting it get the better of him is that it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And it gets worse in a permanent way. And it's that loss of the hand and that 
ultimate um, rock bottom of it all that pushes him to make that leap of faith and reassert his life. I mean, I get, honestly, that hands come off it, but I just don't, it's almost like the... Um the Wizard of Oz don't look behind the don't look behind the curtain. It doesn't reveal much. It doesn't, for me, it didn't add much that you actually saw viscerally how the hand came off. We know the hands off, and somehow we get there. And it, for me, it's like I would have almost liked to have wondered exactly how that happened. Well, you've got in, the, you've in got my the, mind. And I, I mean, that's just yeah. that's. Just, I, I see where you're coming from. For, for yeah. me, I, I suppose you've got the wonderment of how this hand is special and different from all other hands. Mm. Um, well, that's in, what I mean. I don't. I just um, don't think you can reconcile because the hand is it's sentient. It's alive. Mm to actually explain why how it came off, you kind of, I kind of feel like, well, you're not going to explain how it's alive now because it kind of detracts from that. And if we just yeah. accepted that here's a hand, it's, it's, it's apart from the body, it felt like and the, it's trying to get together it, to with where with the body it lost. It felt to me, it felt like the gut punch that it was required. Do we know it's definitely his hand? It's got a mole. Okay. Yeah. That's I, I, did, how, I, did, I did like the attention to the mole that uh, yeah. it played. That's how you know. Um, so we so that gives us an overall score of three point two one two five zero. We go to Twitter um, before coming in to record and ask people. In this case, we're reviewing "I Lost My Body" with Top Film Tip and Beatmax Pod. Have you seen it? Uh, tell us your thoughts on on air shout out Flix Watcher. We just had one response today. Uh, ben, do you want to give us that response? This is uh, Lee Thomas, which is uh, Lee Thomas Five on uh, Twitter, and he said, "Didn't like it." Ponderous Tosh, I lost my patience. And after prompting? How many stars, Lee? Uh, two. The animation was nice. Fair enough. Um, well, yeah, so 3.21250. Um, guys, can you sign off by letting everyone who's listening know where they can find you online and tell them more about yourselves? Um, well, my uh, Twitter is BetamaxPod, uh, yep. Instagram at BMX Video Club. And um, available on the podcast is on iTunes and all good and bad podcast apps. So wherever you listen to this podcast, you can listen to yours. Yeah, yeah. You can find my film-related content at, at Top Film Tip on Twitter uh, twice a day. If for uh, any strange reason you want to stalk me and buy me pizzas, uh, I'm at Seth Rogan Josh on Instagram. And can I plug my book? Yeah. Absolutely. Away. Um, I also wrote a young adult neuroscience fiction novel called Winner Winner, um, which I won't go into too much detail here, but if anyone's interested, you can check it out at winnerwinnernovel.com. Fantastic. Thank Thanks you very for much, coming guys. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood R O K K Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production 